Nowadays, introducing the original Blood Clad Podcast not PS. Sold in semantic. Special dedication all the way from New York. Boom! Yeah, man, SWOT semantic. Yeah, man, oh. Boom! Sold in semantic. Yeah, man, Big ups to the man, yeah. Sold in semantic. It is time, ladies and gentlemen. Have you guys have you been looking for luxury watches for quite some time or have contemplated doing so, but you don't really know who you can trust and where the best prices are? Look no further. Time for Luxury has got your back. Make sure to check out the site. Some of the watches they sell include Patek Philippe, Rolex, AP, Cartier, Hublot, Richard Mill, and many others as well. Make sure to check them out. You will be very, very glad you did. Welcome to the Soothing Semantics podcast. We have another episode in the in the works. Uh, today we have Dave Meltzer, ladies and gentlemen. Dave Meltzer is the co-founder of Sports One Marketing. He is an entrepreneur, speaker, author of uh, Connected to Goodness, which is uh, essentially manifesting everything you desire in business and life. Uh you also do Breaking Beyond, which came out recently with Brian Bogert, which comes out every Monday. I had him on recently, by the way, which uh, you may or may not know. Uh, every Monday, 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 Eastern. So make sure to check that out as well. You also have the Road to Revenue and Happiness course, which is free. And there, if I'm missing anything else, let me know. I know there, I'm sure there are a lot of other things, but uh, we... We'll be obviously attaching all of your all of your social media. Make sure to check uh, Dave out on on Instagram. Um, and here we go. So, Dave, I first uh, I met you at the Marriott of Miami. You know, you were giving you were giving a lot of good advice and good pointers to everyone that showed up. And I've wanted to meet you and have you on the podcast for for quite some time. And a big point that you were discussing when everyone came to listen to you was the idea of there's a certain amount of no's that lead to a yes, you know, and you've said that 25 no's kind of statistically mean that the, the sooner you get to those 25 no's, the sooner you'll get to the yes that you, that you want. Uh, Then you asked if I, if I had any questions and, or, or had anything to say. And I said, well, a big reason I came here aside from actually listening to you and, and uh, hearing what you had to say was getting that yes from you. You know, and, and it's nice that I've been able to manifest that here we are, we're having this conversation. And I just wanted to hear more of what you feel uh, is important in terms of manifestation and, and getting to those yeses, because, you know, rejection is such a big part of why people don't pursue what they want. Yeah, I think there's two components of that. The first is being able to understand that it takes time in order to move to what you want, but it's not what you want, it's what you think you want. And so one of the things that helps is understanding, you know, if I am being promoted and and protected with each no, not punished. Uh, See, my philosophy is, okay, every day, this is what I think I want. And then corresponding to the pain, failures, setbacks, and no's, I have faith that the pain, failures, setbacks, and no's that occur between me and what already exists, what I want or think I want, is a faith that there's something bigger than me that's omniscient, all-knowing, 
all-powerful, and that thing that's omniscient and all-powerful cares about me more than my own mom cares about me, more than I care about my own children. See, if you have that type of faith, when you get a no, you know that you are being protected, you're being promoted to what you want, but you may not know what you want. And so radical humility and faith play a key integral part in understanding no. Now, in order to be persistent and to uh, be a bridge for people to understand, I simplify things so that I can say, hey, there's a 25 no rule. And, you know, at the very basics, you know, without people really understanding, hey, this is only what I think I want, getting faith involved, all the real intricacies or subtleties in which uh, allow me to believe you're only one no away from, you know, what, every no puts you closer to what you want, not farther away. Uh, and there's a variety of different ways to say that. But in the end, it requires you to realize, hey, I don't really know exactly what's best for me. So here's what I think I want. And then I'm going to allow the universe to tell me something better or protect me from me doing something I don't want, like sticking my hand in the fire and my mom slapping my hand. I immediately, when I was three years old, thought my mom was punishing me, but she was protecting me. So when I don't get the business deal or I get the no, you know, I trust the omniscient, all-powerful source that loves me as much as my mom or more is just slapping my hand to protect me, not to punish me. Interesting. No, it makes perfect sense. I, I've, although I'm, I'm just a bit younger than you, only a good two, three years. <laughs> you look much younger. <laughs> really? I mean, the beard, the beard gives me a good 10, 15 years, you know? Nice. Yeah. So, I mean, we, um, the faith aspect is so, is such a big part of it. How do you really, for somebody that's starting with any entrepreneurial venture, how do they apply that? How do they apply that to themselves? Because faith is something that means something for mean is something different for everybody. Yep. So for me, I understand it to mean as long as I am focusing on what I am passionate about and I understand the uh, consistent, persistent pursuit, is that, that's yeah. how you say it, right? Yeah. The consistent, persistence pursuit, um, you know, of my goals and, and whatever I'm pursuing. Ultimately, at some point, it'll pan out, even if it takes me in a different direction, even if I fail in one regard, faith and, and believing that I'm doing what I need to do and I just have to continue to stick it out. How do you, how does someone do that if, if they're so early on? You know, how do they find that faith? Yeah, I think it stems from knowing what you are in control of. Uh, you know, early on, you're only in control of three things. One, your own mindset. So you take a step removed from having the faithful mindset, but just knowing, one, I'm in control of my own mindset. Two, I'm in control of the heart set. So going into a new venture as a startup or just as a young entrepreneur, reminding ourselves, remembering, recollecting every step of the way that I control my mindset. I control everything I see. I give meaning to everything I see. I can't find outside of me what I can't find inside of me. And then two, uh, I am in control of my heart set, how I feel. So when I feel stressed, angry, anxious, frustrated, guilty, resentful, all the feelings of a startup, of a young entrepreneur just starting out, I have to remember, wait a second, I'm in control of the way I feel. And then finally, utilizing faith to create the handset, the law of Goya, right? Get off your ass, make it happen. The enjoyment of the consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential requires the heart set, 
the mindset and the handset all combined and reconciled to be as most efficient and effective and which will result in statistical success. Okay. I, I think it's, it's incredible. I'm, I'm seeing that kind of in my, in what I'm doing. Um, and I, and I think just the, the little victories and you talk about this, I, appreciating the small wins and not just focusing on larger wins is a very good way to keep momentum from what I see, you know, I'm just curious to hear your, your feedback on that, but, you know, obviously the idea of continuing to be in momentum and not allowing yourself to take to some long, ridiculous break. If you, if you're already seeing that things are starting to fall into place and those smaller wins are compounding and, and allowing you to create larger ones, they're giving you credibility with other entrepreneurs uh, you know, the podcast is an example. I mean, anything, but the podcast is an example. I've been able to accumulate close to 70 episodes. Um, I've never missed an episode. So um, I've been here, several people that have come on as guests, they've told me, they said, you know, a big reason why, aside from the thumbnails and everything else, the consistency, the fact that you've never missed a week was very eye-catching for me. And I don't see that very often, even with people who have bigger channels than you. So I said, yeah, I mean, that's it's the number one priority for me. I, I can't miss a week. So I, yeah. I feel you, right? I mean, yeah. consistency is the superpower of the conscious continuum when we do things and you talk about, you know, big and small, I don't believe in, in sizing, right? Like I think right. that uh, we don't need to put judgments and conditions on anything. So all time off and time on, you know, to me, time is a matter of activity, of productivity, of accessibility and of gratitude. And so utilizing the man-made construct of time and in order to be proficient with that time, aligned with what I want, who I can help, who can help me, how best to get it done with those lenses of productivity, accessibility, and gratitude, and prioritization. Prioritization is a big deal. Most people don't know how to prioritize. And so they end up in a stagnant, procrastination, lazy state because not that they don't have the desire, they don't have the prioritization because they don't know what's important to them because they haven't done the work to find out here's what I think I want today, personally, experientially, giving, receiving wise, who can help me, who I can help and how best to get it done. Once you know the what, the who and the how, you can understand what is most important to you, which allows you to prioritize, which allows you to do something now. The more you do now, the more that gets done. Things that get done create passion, purpose and profitability. You are then living in the world of applying your why, not searching for your why. You realize you're happy already, you're healthy already, you're wealthy already, you're worthy already. What are you doing to interfere with it? That's what we want to focus in on, not going to get it. Whether you're just starting out, been doing this for 10 years or 100 years, you're applying your why to get rid of that which interferes with unlimitlessness, infinity, abundance, more than enough of everything for everyone. It's amazing. It's so good. It's incredible. So what has been your experience in your own business ventures? Uh, we can talk about sports one marketing or what has allowed you in the early stages to, to overcome the struggles of it? I mean, you can give me an example of, of any of your ventures and something well, that's, yeah, let's just take sports one marketing to start. I founded that with hall of fame quarterback, Warren moon. We had spun off from Lee Steinberg sports and entertainment, which had its challenges because Lee Steinberg was a huge alcoholic. He had the disease and you can't run a business when the key person is in rehab or detox the majority of the time. 
And so Warren and I spun off a sports marketing company from the most notable sports agency in the world that we ran. And we started that company. Well, here we are 12 years later and the pandemic hits. The idea of the business was to bring all of the billionaires, millionaires, celebrities, athletes, entertainers, and media to the biggest sporting events and award shows on earth in order to make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun, make margins, give to charity and have fun around what we love, which is sports and, and entertainment. Well, pandemic hits, there's no Super Bowl, Pro Bowl, Masters, Kentucky Derby, Breeders' Cup, ESPYs, Emmys, Oscars, Grammys, all of them canceled. Seems like a pretty big problem when that's what your business is about, bringing billionaires, millionaires, and entrepreneurs to these events to raise money for charities and to make money. Um, but see, I don't see business as a name. When they talk about quitting and people say, when do you know to quit a business? I've never quit a business. I've renamed them, right? I've restructured them. I've re-engineered my business. All I did when pandemic hit is said, okay, what skills do I have within the context of the business I'm in? What knowledge do I have in the context of the business is in? What desire do I have with the business in the context that I'm in? How is it aligned with, synergistic to, supplementary of, what's doing well now during the pandemic? What's stable now during the pandemic? And what I think will be doing well in the future. And although I had to rename, you know, Sports One Marketing, because I had to, you know, step down as CEO, hire a different person that can, you know, scale it back and manage it and survive it. I went ahead and leaned into Dave Meltzer Enterprises. And I took the skills that I had from Sports One Marketing and Lee Steinberg and being the Samsung CEO of the phone division and Westlaw and Every Path and all the other businesses. And they're upwards of over 100 businesses when you uh, include the other businesses I've been in. And I just now re-engineered it, reaffirmed it, aligned it again. And once again, I'm doing better than I've ever done, like a third of the world. And then there's a third of the world that are stable and a third of the world that are victims. Uh, it's determined upon whether you can align those skills, knowledge, and desire and stop labeling a business by its name or structure, label it by the skills, knowledge, and desire that you have. And it's knowledge of what and who, not just what. Wow, that's amazing. Okay. I mean, so, so ultimately for you, you haven't quit any of the business ventures you've, you, I mean, anything you've started. So first, when do you think, when do you think something is worth just dissolving? Like a company, you mean a structure? Right, right. When it cannot be profitable. Okay. Well, you think of some of these massive companies, you think of Amazon, for instance. It I mean, could they be profitable. profitable. Yeah, I'm not putting Here's time as a context. So you're still stuck okay. in the linear world. I don't live there. So <laughs> when, when when I determine that it's bleeding me and it's and it's I'm not investing in it like Amazon, right? Just because you lose money doesn't mean it can't be profitable. Right, of course, right? Yeah. You, you have a mathematical decision to make, like Bezos did, and said, for every penny I take out today, it's going to cost me a thousand dollars. You know, ten years from now, that that means he knows it's going to be profitable someday. When you come to the determination that this business is not going to be profitable because it's a business and the purpose of the business is to make money so it can help people and have fun, right? If you come to the, the thing that, hey, we're not going to ever have that possibility or that possibility is so remote, it's not aligned with my timing and risk tolerance, I'm going to move or re-engineer this into something that will. 
And so you may want to restructure, realign, dissolve, do whatever it is to a, to a business when it has no statistical prospect of, of making money when something else that may better suit you does. I, I completely hear that. Yes, ultimately, yeah, it's, it's really not about time. It's about understanding that in, at some time in the future, based on proper planning, you'll, you'll profit. Yep. So, so why do you feel like people, what do you feel like people quit so soon? Do they not have a proper plan, you know, failing to plan, planning to fail? Oh no, it's math. People quit because of a very simple equation. Uh, they don't understand Einstein's rule of 72. They don't understand compound interest. They don't understand that it's applicable to good behaviors and bad behaviors. See what happens is, is that you, um, with a good behavior towards what you want, you think you're supposed to get instant results, if not quick results. And so you don't see it aggregating because it takes 90% of your effort. It takes 90% of the segmented growth, 90% of it in order to effectuate some sort of result that you can even see. The negative behavior, we don't think it'll ever affect us and it has the same attributes. It takes 90% of the effort of negative behavior before you see a result. Why is this so dangerous? Because when you, you know, let's take the earth for example, if, if the earth doubles its in segments, if it doubles its population every 20 years, and we are, you know, to 90% of the earth uh, segmentation till it's full, it's only gonna be 25% of the, of the earth is full, even though it's taken 90% of the time to get to that population. What happens in the next 20 years, it's 50% full. Here's the saddest thing, at that 50% full, everybody's still like, oh, we're fine. We're fine, it's only halfway full. Well, meanwhile, in another 20 years, we're 100% full. In another 20 years, we need two worlds. Then we need four worlds in another 20 years. Shit gets really scary. Well, the same thing holds true in your business. See, what happens is 99% of the people quit before they get to 90% of the way there because they start looking at what's missing, what they don't want and what other people want for them and laughing at them, scoffing at them, telling them you should go get a real job and blah, 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 blah. 99% of the people, they don't see the doubling effect. They don't remember when there was 100 people on earth, right? And now there's 200 people and they're like, oh, I'm not worried about filling the world, it'll take forever. Uh, and everyone's like, dude, the world will never be full. Don't worry, don't, no. <laughs> you you will have and get to 100% of the wear if you continue to keep on doubling. And get, here's, the better you get at it, the faster the segmentation occurs. So the first double might be, you know, 20 months, then 19 months, then 18 months, then 17, it gets even faster. But here, like I said, is the problem, 99% of the people quit before they get to that 25% of the way there. Then another 99% of that 1% quit before they get to 50% of the way there, even though it doesn't take that much longer. Crazy. And then more people quit before they get to 100. So when you get to the people that get the exponential results, it's because they continue to learn, grow, and accelerate. They understand compound interest of good behavior and of bad behavior, and they don't look or listen or put attention and intention on what other people are saying or what your inner voice is saying, what you don't want or what's missing. They are focused strictly on putting their attention and intention on exactly what they want, the coincidences they want, and they're enjoying the consistent, persistent pursuit of what they want, 
knowing that although they can't see it with their faulty senses, the way they see, smell, taste, hear, and touch, it's happening. And they may just seem as if they're 25% of the way there, but the next double takes them to 50 and the next double takes them to 100. I'm always doubling in my head, even in my community. You know, when I started building my brand, you'll appreciate this because you have your podcast. I was blessed to work with Gary Vee because I was helping him with his sports agency and he helped me with my brand. And he asked me, what, what, what do I want? And I said, in year one, I want two ambassadors. In year one. He said, ambassadors? I said, yeah, I want two people that will find me two people a year to watch my podcast, to watch my TV shows, Two Minute Drill, Office Hours, Elevator Pitch, to buy my books, to hire me to speak, to hire me to be their coach, to hire me as a business consultant, as an advisor. I want two people a year that will find me more, two more people. That's how much they're ambassadors of mine. And he said, wow. What's that going to get you? I said, well, I'm 50 years old. And by the time I'm 70, I'll be the most influential 70-year-old on earth. He's like, how do you figure that? I said, because I will have 2 million ambassadors getting me 2 million ambassadors in year 20. 4 million ambassadors getting me 4 million ambassadors in year 21. And that's just two people every year getting two people in the next year, those four people getting me four in the next year, eight people getting me eight. You go ahead and exponentially allow the compound interest of that to take its effect. You get 1% better every day. You're 72 segments away from every day. You're 72 days away from getting twice as good. That's how it aggregates and compounds. That's called the rule of 72. Einstein, look it up. If you get 1% better every day, it takes 72 days. If you get 1% better every year, it'll take you 72 years to double how good you are. But you will, if all you focus in on getting 1% better in whatever segment of time, it's 72 segments of that time until you've doubled. So you do the same thing in your business. You detach your emotions from the outcome. You stop creating resistance in your life and you do what it takes with the law of gravity by saying you're exactly where you're supposed to be at the right place at the perfect time. The law of Goya, get off your ass, do your best, learn lessons and have fun. And then the law of allowance will occur because you're happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy and you're getting rid of what interferes with it. Fantastic. I I just noticed that there's just these rules apply to anything you do. And, yeah. uh, and you mentioned Gary. I just saw the funniest impression of Gary. I'll have to send it to you. You know how Gary, Gary always goes, and then he puts his hand on and goes, you know, they, yeah. I was doing garage sales. How many TikTok followers do you have? You have all the time in the world. <laughs> I love Gary. He's awesome. That's so I, good. Hope, I hope I get to have him on. Um, but re- real quick, I know we're, we're 20 minutes in Dave. So just straightforwardly, do you, do you have, do you have a couple more minutes or do you want to? I got time for one more question, my brother. Okay. One more question is, into I was actually having this this debate, more of an argument actually, with a very close friend of mine, and I was saying that if I'm doing something, say my podcast, and most people I know have very good feedback. No one's ever really shit on it, even if they want to. You know, most people aren't aren't going to be straightforward, uh, but but some people will just start to give me little pointers, and those tend to be people who've never made a piece of content in their life. So whether we're talking about podcasting anywhere in business, it's in a sense important to have critics because you can learn from the people, the people consuming whatever it is that you're doing. 
how much time should you allocate to people who've never done what you're doing versus people who've done what you're doing and are more successful? Because my my feeling has always been, I should really take my time and learn from the people who are better than me and spend less time focusing on these people who are telling me, oh, well, you should do this and you should do that, but they've never done it. So what's your take? So first of all, it's not better or worse. It's just simply find people who sit in the situation that you want to be in okay, and ask them for help. Otherwise, all other advice is sand. All other advice is sand. What do I mean? When we have a handful of sand, we're grateful. We appreciate the handful of sand. All this advice from everybody, even people that we don't like, people that love us. But we're only going to what? Hold on to the sand that is aligned with synergistic supplementary to where I want to be. Right? Where I want to be. I want to take advice from people that are already there. And so what do I do? I, with gratitude, let the sand flow through my hand like a handful of sand. And I hold on to the granulars of the people that have and sit in a situation that want to be in. If I want to sleep better, I'm going to find the expert at sleep. If I want to have, you know, a podcast that's 20 minutes long, I'm going to find someone that has the best podcast that's 20 minutes long, not someone that has two and a half hours. If Mm -hmm. I want to have you know, an inspirational thing. I'm going to find the most inspirational people, not people that just care about me, love me, like me, or want the best for me. I will appreciate their advice. Say, thank you so much. I'll take that under consideration. I really, you know, I'm so flattered that you care. Thank you. And you just let it fall through your hands and say, not worth it. It's a, it's a spectrum of bleeding and feeding, man. Feed that feeds you. I hear you. I mean, it's just in terms of you think about big companies, they always want consumer feedback and they want this. But at the end of the day, how much do you think they value that versus other businesses maybe that they're in competition? Yeah, I think with? consumer feedback in a non-spectrum uh, you know, audience is very important if you have a very select, smaller group of people. But when you have a scope, size, and scale of 7.6 billion people, you should be more concerned about the Shakespearean revival, which is to thine own self be true, because if you're true to yourself, that frequency will strengthen, the spectrum will widen, the clear of the clarity of the message will become uh, better, which will attract more of the 7.6 billion people. And then two, make sure you're capturing, modifying, amplifying, perpetuating, because the whole world is your stage. So there is a Shakespearean revival. Know your, find your frequency. The whole world is your stage. Don't worry about you know the feedback. Uh, from a small group of people when you're Dr. Pimple Popper has more subscribers than anyone and nobody that I even know likes watching pimples being popped, but somehow she has more subscribers. That's because she's not listening to feedback from David Meltzer or Rafi. They're they're listening to feedback, you know, from her own frequency. That's what she loves. If she loves it, there's at least another billion out of 7 billion that love it too. Even though the moral majority, the 6 billion hate pimples being popped, She's speaking so strong because nobody has before to the billion that love it. My friend, I appreciate you. Remember, everyone, for your audience, I will give everyone my book, my ebook, my audiobook, or I'll even sign a copy of my book. I will sign it, send it to you, pay for shipping in the book, david at dmeltzer.com. David at dmeltzer.com. Email me, David Meltzer, whatever you want. David at dmeltzer.com. Thank you, Rafi. Be kind to your future self and do good deeds. Thank you, David. Thank you so much for coming on. Take care. Thank you.